Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. This episode today is brought to you by Radio Cab, Portland's best transportation option. Download the Radio Cab app and leave the driving to us for a night out at the Symphony or any other place you need to go. Safe, local, reliable. Radio Cab, driver and veteran owned since 1946. Hi, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I am so happy to be talking to artist John Mavrudis. He is one of the most influential illustrators today. If you marveled over Time Magazine's cover art of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, as I did, you were taken in by John's work. That piece was titled Her Lasting Impact, and it used words and phrases from Ford's testimony during the Senate hearings on the Supreme Court nomination of Judge. Brett Kavanaugh to create Ford's portrait, and it won the American Society of Magazine Editors Magazine Cover of the Year. So looking at that cover led me to find out who the artist was, and I was thrilled to realize that it was someone with whom I had gone to school, found him on Facebook, and the rest is history. So hey, John, thanks so much for calling in. It's my pleasure to be here, Susanna. Thank you. Yeah. Are you in San Francisco right now? Uh, in the in the San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit about an hour away from the city itself. Got but, you. Uh, yeah. So I read that you call your style a typographic portraiture, which I loved that term. How does using words to create images impact and deepen your work? I, I think it gives it kind of a multi layered effect. Um, that might be obvious on the face of it. Uh, I like to create people's portraits. I've always been interested in, in drawing faces anyway. Uh, but then adding a layer where you can actually uh, put different words or phrases or in some cases poetry, which I, I just uh, completed a portrait of uh, someone. Uh, it gives it like a couple layers you can look at. You can look at it from a distance and see the person's portrait and kind of judge the art by that. And then you look a little closer and you see that it's actually made up of, like I said, words or phrases. And then you can spend time kind of combing through them. And if something hits you, you have a second, third, fourth opportunity to make an impact. So I I like the process. I like being able to dive down a little deeper into into a person and be able to uh, come up with uh, different descriptors or at least make a make multiple points, um, whether it's somebody in a flattering way, um, like it was for uh, Dr. Ford, or in a not so flattering way, like I did for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I actually, when I was looking at that piece of. Uh, Donald Trump, I I was thinking about social media and how it can really divide us, even like-minded thinkers. And I know you're very politically minded. Um, How is it to put your opinion so loudly out into the public? Uh, Yeah, I'm one of those people that actually can't resist giving my opinion in a lot of cases, Uh, especially if it's something that's pretty clear to me. I, I like the idea of uh, dealing with people that you don't necessarily agree with on certain issues and having sort of a back and forth. But at the same time, um, if it's crosses some kind of morality line for me, then um, I'm not shy about it at all. Uh, In the case of, of Donald Trump, I was uh, 
not a not a big fan. In fact, extremely worried about the prospects of him becoming president. And um, so that's basically how I started doing these typographic portraits in a more serious way. Was when uh, I did a portrait on Donald Trump, and I basically did that for myself. I didn't really have anything in mind, uh, but I had been arguing with friends uh, who I disagreed with on this on facebook and decided that i was going to do a portrait of him based on everything i thought about him and so i could just hold it up and just show a single image as opposed to going over the same arguments over and over and over, and over again so hmm. your bio is the absolute best i i love it and i'm going to quote one line from it he spent third through seventh grade being a complete jackass parenthesis for which he is now profoundly sorry parenthesis and I think I met you around seventh grade. Is that right? I think it was a little bit, maybe a year or two afterwards. Um, I was slightly more humbled when I met you. Is that uh, right? I remember you being yeah. a, a beautifully opinionated, and I admired that. Well, I, I think, um, I think I wasn't so proud of the way that I used to make fun of some people when I was oh. a little kid mm-hmm. uh, for laughs, mm-hmm. and I. I did less of that when I got older um, because I think that uh, I think that for people that deserve it, it might be a different matter, but you certainly weren't one of those people that deserved it. And if if I did anything in those grades, uh, I apologize, but gosh, I don't remember a thing. I kind of wish I did, but I don't remember. Maybe we'll hope that some people listen to this and they've got, then maybe they'll, you know, write something on Facebook and we can look back. Yeah, that would be interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just, it was more of a terms of uh, being a third grade kind of a jerk. Mm. And yeah, and, and I think I got better and better. I was I was sort of a shy kid and I found my way through humor to try to make friends. Mm. And some of the humor was a little bit too biting. But like I said, it's something now that I've tried to rein in unless, like I said, if somebody really... <laughs> I keep going back to Trump, but in the in the case if you're being a bully to people, mm-hmm. then I think that's a little much. But yeah. So how did you go from a self-proclaimed jackass to an award-winning visual artist? <laughs> uh, just uh, two dots and a straight line. <laughs> no, um, I think I think in this case, back when I was a kid, I was drawing, uh, copying comic books. I found a couple of comic books in a dumpster along with a friend of mine behind a 7-Eleven and in third grade. And we started collecting comic books and I learned to draw that way. And I've always been kind of in a, a political setting. My, uh, my family on my, on my dad's side, the Greek side of my family, there was always arguments about politics whenever we'd go visit our relatives and I could listen to the conversations and the arguments and, take a lot out of that. And I think that was kind of born into me. Uh, and so combining the two to be able to comment on, uh, politics and also, also get out my, my feelings on art, um, is kind of a perfect marriage in a lot of ways. Although I do love drawing and, uh, doing illustration work on music and, and the arts as well. I, I, you know, anything to do with film cinematography, I'm just a huge fan so and you just did some beautiful you, poster work for the Greek Film Festival. Yeah, uh, I had a chance to. They flew me out to Thessaloniki, which is the cultural capital of Greece, 
Uh, it's their second biggest city, and they had their 60th anniversary and did the film poster, and it was an incredible experience. Um, they've been going strong for 60 years, and the, the whole city basically reflects back on the festival. So it was strange walking around the city and seeing my art up everywhere. It was it was quite amazing. Yeah, it was it was a great time. I loved your use of the postage stamp. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I. I was always looking for a kind of a framing device for my art. And I started looking into, you know, putting a basic kind of frame hand drawn around certain things. And then I came across um, some old postage stamps and I just, I just love the fact that there's a similarity to almost all the postage stamps that I've seen. Um, so they could tear them out and you had this kind of pattern going around them. And I thought it made a, a really nice uh, border for, the artwork I was submitting and in the case of, so I'd used it uh, about five or six times, maybe a little bit more for uh, some musical posters I had done for uh, uh, different bands. And, but on the, in the case of the film festival, I thought it worked really well because uh, film festivals are, are nothing if not a message to the world. Uh, you have points of view coming from all over the world and you're sitting in a theater and, that message is being delivered to you uh, when you walk into the theater. So I thought that it was relatively apt to place it around the uh, film festival posters. I was curious, since we met in school, if there were some teachers that really inspired you or kind of nurtured you toward speaking your own opinion and, and pursuing your art, because I seem to remember vaguely, you know, you always drawing yeah, I, I I never went to a formal art school, so I definitely have uh, inspiration, inspirational people in my life. Um, from my uncle, who uh, was an artist, and I used to watch him draw and bug him all the time when I was a little kid about drawing, to uh, different teachers who encouraged me, uh, some in high school, a lot before that, uh, in just art class, but uh, I, I think, um, I really gained uh, most of my inspiration by looking at art. I would say most of all by being amazed by art. I mean, I look back at the artists I followed as a, as a kid and I think they still hold up. So I think that speaks to the power of their work. Who are they? Um, on the, like I would say Goya, uh, Magritte, um, there's some powerful imagery that they invoke. And um, and if we take it all the way to uh, like pop culture, uh, an artist by the name of Jim Starlin, who uh, if you are familiar with the Marvel comic universe, the last two films about the uh, uh, Infinity uh, Avengers movies, those were all based on... Or, based on Jim Starlin's work with Marvel Comics. And mm -hmm. when I was a kid, they were, had a pretty magical effect on me, both as literature and art. He both wrote the stories and created the character Thanos. And also uh, they would talk about, you know, his story, his story is not only his art, but like I said, the storytelling, because he delved into subjects on religion and politics and all kinds of things. And for a 12 and 13 year old kid, it was pretty amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. You wrote that you worked as a paid staffer for a presidential campaign. What are you doing now toward the upcoming election? Uh, I'm not in any particular camp. I, I, I'm i of the opinion that, uh, like, whoever, I, I feel, 
I basically see the, the threat of Donald Trump as being so great that whoever the Democrats nominate, I'll be happy to support. But uh, right now I'm, I'm backing Elizabeth Warren. I had thought originally I was going to um, work for a campaign, but I think that my my talents are best utilized um, trying to come up with concepts and um, and basically dealing with political situations on all fronts as opposed to uh, spending time working on an individual campaign. When there's a, a, a politician that you particularly feel supportive of, do you offer your services as an artist to help promote the campaign in any way? I've, I think I've done that once um, to no avail, but uh, I thought I should offer it anyway. Um, I had done a portrait, uh, the original idea that I submitted around, and then it was later used as a cover for The Nation magazine, was when Obama actually took the oath of office. And so I did a portrait of him surrounding by everybody I thought he should be near, who should be with him when he took the oath of office. Mm. It wasn't necessarily during the campaign, but I came up with the idea during the campaign and I thought it would it would make an interesting cover. So I had him being sworn in by Thurgood Marshall and surrounded by Martin Luther King and then uh, Malcolm X. And then you start going through all these figures and it ended up being over a hundred figures by the time the, uh, the portrait was, was finished. Uh, and so I, I kind of look for, inspiration and uh, aspirational figures when I'm um, looking to vote. But I also am concerned about not over-glamorizing um, politicians too much because <laughs> I worry about that, you know, mm. um, but tools of propaganda and how people can be taken in the, to think somebody is some kind of savior when in fact they're just human beings. So, mm. um, Yeah. Yeah, it's just thoughts that run through my head on things like that. Just kind of midway here, I want to uh, remind everybody that you can look at John's work at zenpop.com. And there's all sorts of neato things you can purchase. I was wondering, do you do any commissions for people who might want a portrait of someone that they love? Is that something that you do? I have done that. A couple of times in the past, um, I've also just finished a, a, a private commission to do, I did a, a typographic portrait of Jimi Hendrix for mm-hmm. a person who is a huge fan, and uh, their brother attended the concert where Hendrix set his guitar on fire, so they wanted kind of a uh, to work his name and his wife's name and his brother's name in the portrait someplace, but it's not, not overly prominent, but it became very personal. Mm. Um, I've done things like that in the past, and it, still am open to that kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm. But it's just a question of um, fitting it in during my regular schedule of work. Right. How? What is your schedule like? I mean, I know as a, a theater artist, uh, I have a schedule to kind of keep myself agile and flexible in the work that I do, plus when I'm working. What's your daily practice? Well, I usually, like, I do a lot of reading, going through you know, the political pages, uh, listening to podcasts, things, things of that nature. And, uh, and then if a particular issue strikes me, I'll usually try to sit down and sketch out ideas or work on idea creation, which I think is really important. I, whenever I talk to, um, art students, I always tell them, and, you know, if you, if you go into a museum, you'll see pretty much every style of art you can imagine from things that appear to be stick figures to like photographic realism. 
Um, but the but the thing that usually can make or break artists is generating ideas. Um, so keep working on your art, but um, working on idea creation is actually really really important. Mm-hmm. So personally, for me, that means playing with ideas in different ways and trying to imagine, uh, you know, through pop culture usage or um, going back in history and looking at other artwork, uh, different ways to tie in current events to past events, you know, doing that sort of thing. And then also, you know, work seems to come down the pike at a fairly steady, steady drip. So that's been fortunate. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, now, tell us a little bit about the fact that you write in your bio that you were mocked in a David Letterman monologue and also mocked by Bono. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've had the fortune of being mocked by many. Uh, yeah, I was actually sitting, uh, we wanted some friends to go see Letterman, uh, his show. I had a friend who whose uh, sister worked at the, the TV studio, so they got us into the studio, but they got us in kind of late, and they put us in the front row, which sounds great, but we were way off to the side, and you could barely see them, and uh, so my friends were giving me a bad time about, about uh, like, get on TV or whatever, and so I just wore some old baseball jersey I had and an old baseball cap and went when uh, Letterman came out to do his pre-monologue, just talk to the audience. He said, anybody from out of town? And I shot my hand up, and of course he talked to some other people from Sweden, and I thought that was the end of it. And then apparently uh, the camera focused on me at one point, and Letterman started going off about the baseball uniform I was wearing. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know at the time. It was pretty funny. Was it a San Francisco Giants outfit? It was it was a San Francisco Seals uniform from the 1930s. Oh, and, great! Uh, I was just wearing jeans and the and the and the uh, jersey, but uh, and I'd worn it before. It wasn't like it was Halloween dress up day, but uh, as soon as I put the the old cap on, it became kind of a Halloween esque costume, and uh, that did not escape his monologue. So yeah, I heard back from a lot of people on uh, that. That's uh, fun. The Bono thing. The Bono thing, I had gone to see you too because I was a big fan of the band uh, after their first and second albums. And uh, we went and they they opened up for Jay Giles' band, which was a much more popular band at the time. And you two weren't very well known. So I went and we, we went and saw the opening act, which was you two. And then after they, they got done and before Jay Giles went on, my, our friends and I, we just walked around. Uh, in the like near the t-shirt selling area and we saw the band's manager and we asked if we could you know say hi to the band and they they brought the band out actually and, oh how cool uh, yeah it was great and then i told bono i paid 40 dollars to see the show and he looked over at uh, the guitarist the edge and said hey edge this idiot paid 40 dollars to see us and he turned around and, and apologized right away but <laughs> it was actually really fun oh that's Really, like it seems as though you really dive into all the things that you love, music and sport being two of them. Yep, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm really passionate about music. I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about film. Uh, I just saw some amazing films, like I said at the at the festival, and um, I don't know for some reason these these kind of, the kind of things. I think I think they're all tied up in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I guess passion is one way to say it. In other ways, empathy, you, you really, you're proud of your home team or the team you support. You're, you want to feel uh, a sense of the characters you're watching on a, 
uh, on a screen, you want to feel a sense of empathy. And I guess for music, it, uh, certain lyrics really touch me and uh, certain bands have found a way both musically and, and through their lyrics to really open up a whole new world for me. So uh, I'm not on stage playing music, but I certainly play a lot of it and uh, really enjoy it. Wow. And I know you're very passionate about your family as well. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a wonderful daughter. My wife and, and I are very lucky. We have uh, a nine-year-old. She's reading about four grade levels of, ahead of herself. Mm. Uh, but she can, she, she can be a handful. She's awesome, but um, she's also, uh, it can be trouble. So we're right in the fun part. She's nine years old. So, Sounds like you're getting yeah, your payback. <laughs> yes. I'm getting everything I was as a kid thrown back at me. Yeah. That's fabulous. Uh, it's actually, yeah, interesting experience, to say the least. Oh, right. Uh, any uh, new ideas, resolutions, some might say, for the new year? Uh, I haven't thought about resolutions. I mean, you know, I'm perpetually late, so being on time is always a resolution that mm. I'm trying to be better at. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I would say uh, Making some impact in people's lives and doing it in a more positive way is always a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not only being in awe of empathy, but trying to to not only um, practice and preach empathy on a daily basis is mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and sounds you had talked a little bit about podcasts that you listen to. Do you recommend some? And in addition, books or movies, some kind of culture recommendations for people yeah. who are looking for such things. Yeah, I mean, on on the political front, I'm a big fan of left, right, and center um, because I get to hear opinions that I completely disagree with. But um, I think it's important to at least hear some calm discussion on the subjects. I mm. think uh, I think uh, John Oliver had a pod- podcast before he did an HBO show that I I really liked, but um, it's been a while. I listened to a lot of the political podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing a, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm forgetting some of the other podcasts on the musical front. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like beach, uh, beach house, a, a big fan of the band, the chills is a New Zealand pop band. XTC is a, is a band. If you're a fan of the Beatles mm-hmm. and you haven't heard any XTC, you should definitely hop on that. They've, they were around for a, a few decades and put out a, and a lot of amazing music. Um, yeah, you, I don't know. You, I could probably go on. Yeah, you produced a radio special, right? About uh, about XTC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was fortunate enough to do. That's the great thing about college radio. When I was doing that, you could do like something like a six-hour special mm-hmm. on the band. You could get away with it, and they actually called in during the middle of the special, and that was a that was definitely one of my highlights hmm. of my life because they were they were very kind with their time and. Uh, and I got to cover a band I love and play basically. I wasn't even able to play everything, but six hours of fun. It was great. Wow, oh, that sounds amazing. What are you working on right now? I have a couple of projects. I'm working on actually a comic book cover. This is going to be my first one for, for Marvel Comics on Captain America. Um, I'm doing, and then on the, it seems to be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I'm doing a, uh, I, we still need approval for a few things, but there's a possibility of doing a portrait on Anne Frank, mm. um, and that's something I would I 
would love to have done for a long, long time. And it actually became, it's getting closer and closer. There's some permissions that need to be received. Basically the owners of the diary, um, which is the father's uh, legacy. And so we're still working through that, but those are two projects that I'm pretty excited about. I'm also doing a, uh, another uh, personal commission for a, for a company, it's actually an insurance company, but they usually help people um, who are uh, in trouble as opposed to, they, they basically sue insurance companies um, mm-hmm. or their lawyers that should sue insurance companies that, that have not uh, done good by their clients, mm-hmm. which I think is, is good as well. So um, yeah, kind of looking at different, <laughs> all over the map actually. Any dream subjects? Oh yeah, I've I've written out a list. I've actually um, speaking of which, I've actually I'm not a huge fan in terms of listening to music, but I've always admired Bob Dylan, mm. and so I'm halfway through a Bob Dylan portrait that I'm just doing for myself, and I'll worry about what happens to it when I finish it. And uh, by the same token, another person that I wanted to do was uh, Paul McCartney of the Beatles, um, and then followed up by John Lennon. So I have that I want to get through. There's a few political um, typographic portraits I'd love to do as well, but those are the main ones. Uh, I'd like to do a Martin Luther King uh, one as well, but I have a whole list of, of figures that I would love to cover at some point. Wow, that that sounds really wonderful, and and how wonderful to wake up and start to research, and, and as you said, just developing these ideas. What a joyful way to live. It's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I did one of Harvey Milk and I didn't know much about the LGBTQ community and um, you learn one name and then you learn another name. And I basically made his portrait up of figures from throughout the history. And, uh, and like I said, there's so much, you know, I, I had a huge uh, knowledge hole that, that, you know, was so slowly listening or, or reading about the, the movement that, um, toward equality. Um, this happened to me too, when I was doing the, uh, Obama portrait, you know, trying to figure out figures in the civil rights movement. And so there's a lot of research being done because, um, like I said, the knowledge gaps are so great. Mm -hmm. So you learn about one figure in history and that leads you to another figure and that leads you to a different incident or, um, you know, it just goes from one thing to another. So there's so much to learn at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting, so too, you know, with history being, how do I put this? So much of history that we learned growing up has proved to be inaccurate in many ways in regard to people of color and women and who yeah. actually created various events and so on. And so through your work, you can continue to kind of dive into, you know, revealing various aspects yeah i i look at it as a journey i'm taking in a lot of ways you know it it just speaks to my original ignorance on certain subjects but then you learn about it and you you go as you as you go you know i I mean remember columbus day was just used to be that holiday about the guy who discovered america and Mm -hmm. then you read the backstory and you're like horrifying you're like how did that go on for so long where you didn't even know about all these horrors that were uh, perpetrated on people and how they just glossed over everything, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it's, 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 I think knowledge is a good thing and, you know, you don't have to personally 
um, feel shame at speaking truth. You know, you don't have to, your, your relatives doing something horrible doesn't reflect on you if you acknowledge what happened and, and move forward. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, I think it's a good thing, actually. I think it's yeah. a really good thing yeah, that my too. daughter, she's learning the history of, of, uh, uh, American settlement, or, or I guess you'd say Western European settlement on American shores. So, right. yeah. yeah, colonization, what all these yep. things mean. So I have to ask you, lastly, do you keep in touch with anyone from school? <laughs> I do. I have a, I have a there's like, uh, I, my two best friends growing up are still friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we communicate regularly, uh, um, from grade school and then in high school as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Am I supposed to name names here? I don't know. I'm kind of, in- I'm interested. <laughs> like I'm like, maybe it's someone I know. Maybe it's someone I don't know. Well, yeah, I still know the Marinos. I still know Pete Catteritz. The Aww. Marinos, we still argue about politics all the time. Oh, that's great. Uh, my friend, and my friend Pete is, uh, we still keep in touch and I'm in touch with his family and, <sighs> and him, uh, and we see each other a lot. That's fab. Um, I can see all their faces in my mind right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. We had uh, we had interesting interesting classes. Uh, I think we we took a, I believe Mrs. Kemp's class. I'm not positive. Oh, if you yes, have, I did. Yeah. Mrs. Kemp. She she said something to me that still sits with me. Um, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, good. Interest. Tell me she, more. What do you think about Mrs. Kemp? Oh, she was she was one of those inspirational teachers that I had that uh, I took an English class with her, and she was an African American teacher mm-hmm. in a school without a whole lot of them, and and um, we learned a lot that I don't think I would have learned if I um, if I hadn't taken her class. Mm-hmm. Nikki Giovanni. So she, yeah, she was. <laughs> it was it was. Uh, like I said, I think I think you there are little markers from throughout everybody's lives growing up where you were influenced. Um, um, I remember our third grade teacher's sister Elizabeth. I went to a, a, a Catholic school growing up, and um, I only had one nun as a teacher throughout Catholic school. But she was really great. You know, she'd play kickball with the kids, and she had kind of a sassy disposition, and she was awesome. And then I remember Mrs. Kemp and. Uh, and her her uh, English classes, and it, like I said, all these things kind of add up and make you who you are. And I think, in a lot of ways, I'm more appreciative of that now that my daughter's going through that process. Mm. She's in fourth grade, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember our fourth grade teacher. Blah blah blah. And mm. My daughter rolls her eyes, but <laughs> you realize the importance of that. Right. Oh, wow. I just wish you all the best in your work. I so appreciate you taking the time to call and. Your work is inspiring and beautiful, and I, I, I'm just delighted to talk to you. Thanks so much, John. It was wonderful talking to you, Susanna. My, my pleasure. Yeah, I hope we'll be in touch again. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye. I want to reach 50% more listeners in the next three months, and I need your help. Will you share and subscribe? If I reach my goal, let's invent a cocktail to celebrate. How about an adventure Rita in Artslandia? Or do you have a better idea? 